So this is Hani's Offshore Litigation Podcast. My name's Julian Guad. I'm joined today by Ian Mann here in Hong Kong. Today, Ian and I are actually meant to talk about injunctions. But I've actually decided at the 11th hour to change what we're talking about. (laughs) And I think it'd be a little bit more interesting um, if we could talk about uh, director's duties and their obligations right now. Because of the coronavirus. I am a live witness to real events, so I'm happy to talk about this topic, Julie. And I should start by saying that you yourself are extremely experienced in this. I mean, you've seen a number of global recessions over the years. I'm going to try not to be offended, Ian, that you're making a comment about my age there. Um, nor will I hold your youth and inexperience against you. Oh, of course. Age is not an issue in this podcast. Yes. Absolutely. No, no. Let's uh, move forward to 2020, the coronavirus recession, I think it's being called. And, um, Julie, I mean, the largest global lockdown in human history, a third of the world's population at one time being placed in lockdown and of course there are going to be massive and severe economic repercussions uh, across the world. Um, An economic slowdown is well and truly in train and it's estimated by the UN that 6.7% of working hours globally in the second quarter of 2020, the equivalent to 195 million full-time jobs will be affected. Um, Fascinating the papers the other day, the price of oil triggered by this year's Russia Saudi Arabian oil price war has um, caused the price of oil to collapse. Tourism, hospitality, energy, um, so many of the industries that we are familiar with, consumerism, um, have all tanked. Um, Global stock markets have crashed between 20 and 30% in February of this year. So fascinating times for us. What do directors of companies do in these circumstances? Well, this this is one of the key issues, isn't it, is as business are facing um, the impacts of shutdowns, slowdowns in industries and having to try to adapt to the changing landscape. Some businesses will be more nimble than others and will adapt faster, but everyone's going to suffer the same same issues, disruptions to supply chains, workforce, cash flow. Um, particularly for us, cash flow for our clients is an issue that keeps coming up, how they manage it and what they should be doing. Now, it's relevant not just for the survival of the business but also the legal considerations that come up and that's because for both um, BVI and Cayman for example the legislation has provisions that deal with things like insolvent trading yeah now whilst we're not suggesting that you know businesses are insolvent when you're having to look at cash flow issues directors are having to ask themselves about the viability of their businesses and what the issues are that they need to consider and what they can do to ensure mm. their businesses remain viable. Mm. But just going back a moment, I mean, I noticed that the price of gold has plummeted and normally during a crisis, the price of gold increases because it's a sort of safe haven. But in this situation, people are so desperate for cash, so worried about cash flow that they're actually ditching gold and preferring cash. Why is cash flow this, 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 the, the, the issue of our, of our time, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, cash is king right now, isn't it, across every single business, and businesses finding ways to maximise their cash mm. and um, to ensure that they can ride out um, what could be any period of time yeah. uh, of these uh, sorts of challenges that are being faced is extraordinary. So cash is becoming increasingly important because the uncertainties around how long this is just going to last for, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially for retail. You see um, large department stores, for example, shutting down for six weeks, eight weeks. They have no idea when they can open again. So cash becomes an extremely important 
um, are probably the most important commodity for most businesses. So you have no idea when revenue will, will return, but you certainly know you've got fixed costs to deal with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's you know that's one of the key things for directors and these companies is engaging with their stakeholders, their creditors, their mm. shareholders, mm. Um, and uh, engaging with them um, very early on having very open discussions with them around some of the challenges they're facing. That might be um, speaking with your landlord about rent relief or talking to your employees, for example, about um, perhaps cutting down their work hours or um, deferring bonus payments, things like that. And we now know that that's called a furlough. I thought I was getting confused with a furlong, but completely different. (laughs) We all now know the word furlough. (laughs) And that's being deployed quite effectively in many places. Yeah, it is. Um, And it's just one of the tactics that we see uh, businesses using in order to retain their viability and to extend uh, the period through which they can weather this, um, these current challenges. I mean, some other things that businesses we see doing and speaking about are speaking with um, inland revenue, for example, deferring tax payments, yeah. um, making sure they're engaging with their professionals, their lawyers, their financial advisors, their accountants, looking at ways that they can maximise um, their viability through managing their finances um, in, a, in a bit more of a nimble way right now. And I guess, I mean, th- that exercise is trying to ensure you're not hemorrhaging too much cash whilst trying to get those that owe you money, um, get that cash paid in, and that will then feed into your cash forecasting so you can estimate how much cash you're going to have in the next few months. Yeah, and, and that raises some challenging issues because whilst you're trying to get as much cash in and make sure that your cash lasts, the businesses you're dealing with are doing precisely the same thing. No one wants to pay at the moment. No one wants to pay at the moment. Um, and everyone is seeing that across mm. every industry. There isn't an industry that isn't touched by that. So it's then um, taking the approach with your... Um, creditors about how you can approach making payments, how you can gather in your debts, um, how you can be a bit more flexible in the terms that you're, yeah. you're engaging in um, to make sure that your, your chances of um, making it through this period are maximised. So early communications, um, taking some tough decisions um, and maximising cash. Yeah, absolutely. And look, um, Many businesses who are facing cash flow issues immediately think they have to go into some sort of insolvency process, and that's just not correct. Um, And there's been some um, recent interesting decisions from the court on that um, about how directors have to approach uh, insolvency issues. I think you're you're all over that, Casey, and so I'm I'm (laughs) going to let you um, talk about that one. I did get very excited about this English Court of Appeal case called BTI and Sakana, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and that was Lord Justice David Richards gives the, 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 the judgment on it, and he goes through the case law over the last 40 years, um, some, some very prestigious, particularly New Zealand and Australian case law, where they're basically saying, as a director, you may be, and I just use loose language at the moment, if, if the company's in the zone of insolvency, you will start to have to consider the, the, the creditors rather than acting in the best interest of the company, i.e. the shareholders. Their creditors' rights intrude upon your duties as a director. And to be clear, those duties are always still owed to the company. You don't owe them directly to creditors, but in acting in the best interest of an insolvent company, you act in the best interest of the creditors. But actually, all that the Court of Appeal is saying is, listen, directors, be very careful. Um, Keep a close eye on whether the company really ought to be tipped into insolvency. 
Um, but the test is um, whether the company is or is likely to become insolvent, um, which means probably. And I'm sure that is the right test, as opposed to any um, looser tests of um, a company being on the verge of insolvency, because that's a temporal test, and no one knows when insolvency doesn't happen, you know, uh, at, at a fixed point in time. It's also better than a test that talks about, you know, remoteness of the risk of insolvency. You know, probably is a great test, I think, but still very hard for directors to to act in those circumstances, and the the, the practical reality of all of this for directors is that it is extremely difficult. Yeah, and the language around these types of tests is uh, very vague. So in BVI, for example, um, there's a defence to insolvent trading if the directors did everything they could have done at the time that they realised they were having trouble. And if the director knew or should have concluded that there was no reasonable prospect that the mm. company could avoid going into liquidation, mm. in those sorts of um, those sorts of tests that are imposed on directors, bring in any number of factors that are extremely difficult for them to properly assess. Mm. And what's no doubt at the moment a very fast-moving environment Extremely and a very uncertain environment moving, yeah, and terribly unfair on directors. So, I mean, they they should seek legal advice. Yeah. Um, I assume you're going to tell um, people listening to the podcast. Um, it's going to be very fact-specific, presumably. Yeah, and ta and take a flexible mm. approach. Look at your options. Mm. Um, you know, there might be insolvency processes that are most appropriate for the company at that time. Um, jurisdictions have things such as you know Chapter 11 in um, the US administration, etc., that can be deployed. Options, yeah, yeah. Now, um, I should just say that before your your fans on the podcast write in criticizing me, um, that case as I mentioned, Vita Sukarno, that is um, that has gone to the Privy Council, awaiting judgment on that. And the issue before the Privy Council essentially was whether the correct trigger for these poor directors is to consider the creditors at a time when, um, as opposed to there being merely a real risk, um, as opposed to the, the probability tests that um, Lord Justice David Richards mentioned. So um, to conclude, I suppose, tough times ahead for people with no, no real end date to it all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a terribly difficult and uncertain time for everyone. Well, thank you for inviting me, Julie. I look forward to coming on to the next one. We can talk about injunctions next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs>